today on Abounding Grace. God has reserved this teaching time for us. This is how we grow. This is how we learn. Where the Holy Spirit takes his word and teaches it to us. And we sometimes mistake this. It's called didactic teaching where there is a giving forth of the word. There is a giving forth of teaching. Sometimes we misinterpret it as I've got to do, I've got to do, I've got to do. What, what we have to do is abide in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit will live his life through us and obey in the prompting of the Holy Spirit. This is amazing grace. It's time once again for Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor, a ministry of Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. Glad to have you with us as we return to a series based in 1 Corinthians. Today, Ed is going to recall a time in Peter's life where he experienced the transforming work of the Spirit. He was a different man because of it. And maybe this needs to happen in your life. Turn, if you would, to Acts 2 and we'll get started. Before Jesus ascends into heaven, he shares an important promise with his disciples. Wait in Jerusalem for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Wait. In Matthew chapter 28, he said, go. Yet before you go, wait. He didn't tell them how long. He didn't tell them what would be the proof of the waiting. He didn't give them a time frame or a calendar. From that point on, there would be no new appearances of Jesus. There would be no more physical appearances until his second coming. The disciples would be left, like you and I, in great anticipation of what the coming of the Lord would be in their lives. Acts chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, suddenly... Isn't that often the work of the Holy Spirit? Suddenly. Wasn't planned, wasn't prepared for, didn't have everything in order. Suddenly, the Spirit shows up. Suddenly, there came this sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. Why were they sitting in the house together waiting for the promise? It's not fun to wait, now is it? Very nervous. There's a nervousness when we are called to wait upon the Lord. We may even make the mistake, I don't know if you've made it, I've certainly made it myself, of jumping in too fast. God said, wait. We said, okay, how long? God said, wait, I'm not telling you. Okay, how long? And in that question, that how long only creates more impatience in our hearts. Wait right now, today. Just wait right here. Wait, wait. Wait on the Lord. They're sitting waiting in obedience. In their obedience, the Holy Spirit shows up. As they're waiting, verse 3, there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, sat upon each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, beginning to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. 
A fulfillment of the promise in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, waiting for the Holy Spirit to come upon them. The Spirit fills them to overflowing as he comes upon them, the promise fulfilled. What's so interesting is not just the manifestation of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. What really stands out to me is Peter, filled with, baptized by the Holy Spirit. Chapter 2 is a highlight in Peter's life. When Peter sees the attention being drawn, notice in verse 6, as they were filled with the Spirit, the Spirit came upon them, they spoke with other tongues. In verse 6, there was confusion. In verses 7 and 12, there was amazement. In verse 12, there was also perplexity or marveling. Verse 13, even some mocked, saying that, oh, look at this, they're all drunk and full of wine. Peter, now himself, filled with the Holy Spirit, decides to address a question that he heard. Spirit's moving in his life. He's not bummed out by the perplexity. He's not bummed out by the confusion. He's not bummed out that people aren't getting it. He's so in tune with the Holy Spirit, his ears hear a question. Verse 12, Whatever could this mean? It's very important to be single-minded as a believer. Being careful to sidestep the confusion that can so easily come. Seems to be easier to get caught up in the confusion, doesn't it? Just not sure, not quite know what's going on. I don't understand. What about it? We just get caught up in it. Instead of step, sidestepping it, looking for the spirit in it all. Looking for an open door to take the truth of God's word into a very perplexing, confusing scenario. How in the world can Peter do this? This is really a key turning point in Peter's life. He normally, and I emphasize the word normally, isn't like this. He's not humanly like this. Peter's demonstrated to us through his life. He was normally, and I emphasize the word normally... He was normally impetuous, very quick to act. He was normally fearful. He was normally worried about what people would think of him. He was normally opening his mouth only to quickly put his foot in, regretting what he said seconds earlier. He was normally self-confident. He was normally self-absorbed. Spiritually, he was powerful in the hands of God. You step back and look at your life. You may even be one of those normal seasons. You're normally impetuous yourself, are you not? You're normally opening your mouth and inserting your foot. You're normally fearful of man making decisions based on what people think about you instead of what the Lord... You're normally, but you don't want to live normally, do you? You want to live supernaturally. The normal life in our flesh brings nothing but trouble and problems and pain. Those that are in the flesh, we are told very clearly, cannot please God. The flesh doesn't bring pleasure to God. The old human nature, the normal way of doing things, our sinful habit patterns that we've drug with us into our newfound life and identity in Jesus Christ, normally is not how I want to live. I want to live supernaturally. I want things to happen in my life that can't be explained, that can't be figured out. 
So against my normal mindset. Normally, I like things figured out. Normally, I like to know what's up ahead. Normally, I like to have every, you know, I'll take a step of faith as long as it doesn't require faith. (laughs) Normally. I don't want to live normally. I desire the power and the presence of the Spirit of God in my life. That overflowing work of the Spirit living and residing in me. I don't want to be like Peter in the early days of his life. He was so normal in his humanity that he would have the boldness to look Jesus in the eye and rebuke him. Some of you are like, oh, Peter, what's the problem? Peter, come on. But you've rebuked the Lord, I'm sure, in your prayer time, complaining, upset. God has allowed this season of your life right where it is, and you're all upset about it. You start to rebuke God for what he's allowed in your life. It's not a Peter thing, is it? It's an us thing. When we live normally, we live outside of the supernatural power of God. We border on sinful behavior and bad attitudes even with motives that may appear clean and pure, we make mistakes. It didn't get any better for Peter normally. Not only did he rebuke Jesus, so much so that Jesus turns around and is like, look, man, get behind me, Satan. That must have been a trip to have that said. Like, whoa, just a few minutes earlier, Jesus said, that is not human, Peter. God revealed that to you as Peter declares him the Messiah, the Son of God. And it didn't take but a few moments for him to rebuke him. No, no, God, no, no way, Jesus. And it didn't get any better because Peter ends up denying Jesus. It's a little girl. Three times. Here in Acts chapter 2, Peter's different. He's changed. He's not the same. This isn't normal Peter. This is supernatural Peter. What we see in Acts chapter 2 in Peter's life, you cannot explain humanly. What we see in Peter's life, we can't go and ask, you, what kind of grades did you have in school, Pete? How did this work? What classes did you take? Who was your mentor? What great book did you read? It can't be explained. He didn't enroll. Peter didn't enroll in some speech class here. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God came upon him and instantly the promise of Jesus Christ came true in his life. He received power from on high and immediately became a witness for Jesus right where he said it would happen in Jerusalem when God gives a promise I want you to know he's very precise very specific God says the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and you're going to be witnesses in Jerusalem then guess what the Spirit of God's going to come upon you and you're going to be a witness in Jerusalem you can bank on that When the Bible says that you are kept by the power of God, you know, even when you stray, do you know that God is keeping you by his power? When the Bible says that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, you know that almost whoever shall be saved. No, it's not true. Everyone that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You repent of your sins today. You bring about a response to the conviction. See, even the sense and desire to follow God, you know where it comes from? Not from a pastor, but from the Spirit of God. He brings conviction upon your heart through the truth of his word. 
It's God supernaturally working through his supernatural word and bringing about that heaviness of conviction where you just sense. I don't know. It, it, it happens a lot of different ways where you summarize. We all sensed at one point as believers, we all sense, you know, I need God to forgive me of my sins. That's what I need. I don't need any more booze. I don't need any more relationships. I don't need to run to and fro. I need God. I believe in him. And God, you've got me. Take me. Of course, if you're still not in that place, then your life is a mess. You could fight with you. Oh, no, it's not a mess. I got this success, this success. They're all ripping you off. You can't take that into eternity. No matter how successful you think you are, you're not going to do anything with that outside of this world. The only reason you're successful, the only reason you seem to have things in order, the only reason you seem to be doing all right in school is because God has been gracious to you. He's been merciful. Where do you think your mind came from? God created you and your mind. Why do you think you're so smart? Because God created you smart. Well, how do you think you could all of a sudden just, man, you passed that test because God enabled you to pass that test. He's being very gracious and merciful, waiting for you. For those of you that are here and you've never read the Bible before, the Bible says that God is patient with you. He's being very, very patient. And in that patience, we're taught in the Bible that the long suffering of God is for salvation. It's not for you to keep doing your own thing. It's not for you to keep spitting in his face with your life. It's not for you to think, well, you know, uh, I'll check out the church, you know, but then I'm just going to go out and do my own thing when I leave. That, that's not why he's patient with you. He's patient with you for that final decision where you lay it all on the line. You completely surrender. Say, here I am. I am a sinner, God. I have sinned against you, my creator, holy, righteous, and true. And in my life, I need you. And in that moment, there's an exchange. As you turn from your sin, you turn your life toward God, there's an exchange. Jesus referred to it as being born again. Isn't it interesting? The most important thing that could ever happen in your life is made fun of by people. Anybody ever make fun of that phrase born again in your life? Ever hear, oh, born again, you're a born again. Yeah, I'm a born again. I needed new life. And so do you. Because if you aren't born again, then you've died twice. You've died spiritually. And friend, you're going to die physically. Each and every time we have a memorial service here, it's a reminder of a biblical truth. And the biblical truth is this. With sin, which is a real simple word, it simply means to miss the mark. In your mind, get the picture of an archer taking back the bow with the arrow. The goal is to hit the target. As the arrow is shot, the target is missed. It was referred to as he sinned. He missed the mark. You can miss the mark in a lot of different ways. Therefore, you can sin in a lot of different ways. The sin against God is missing his mark. So if you think of your life as that arrow and you're pulling it back, you know what you're shooting for? Perfection. And guess what? We have all sinned. We cannot hit that mark. Perfection requires perfection. So one little mistake makes all of us imperfect. One little sin, and let alone some of the huge ones that have happened in our lives. One sin alone 
crushes the heart of God. One sin alone puts Jesus Christ on the cross to die for that just one sin. If you're one of those people to just think, hey, I only made one mistake in my life, the only mistake that you've made so far is not repenting of your sin and surrendering your life to Jesus. And if any of you understand what I'm saying, the Holy Spirit is helping you. Can't play games with God. He loves you. And each time we have a memorial service, there is a truth. The truth is this. With sin, there is a wage and a debt to be paid. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Not only human death, but also spiritual death. And there's only one source of life. It's not through church membership. It's not by signing up on a card, standing up, walking the aisle. Those are all not the source of salvation, of life. The only source of salvation is Jesus himself, who declares to you before, I have the privilege of declaring it for Jesus to you today that he said and wants you to know that he alone is the truth. And he alone is life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. What's happening in Peter's life here is the transforming work of the Holy Spirit. He is a different man because you can't explain it humanly. It's supernatural. The power of the Spirit working through him. Peter stands up in verse 14 and raises his voice gives a beautiful message beginning by quoting an Old Testament. Don't get in your mind he had a Bible like this that he opened to. This was all off the top of his head spiritually. The Spirit brought this back to his remembrance as he starts to quote Joel chapter 2 verse 28. Saying in the end times it's going to come to pass. That God says I will pour out, this is verse 17, I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. These are the last days, friends. And the work of God through his spirit is pouring out his spirit right now among believers. He's doing it even as I speak. Some of the things you'll see is your sons and your daughters are going to begin to prophesy. Your sons and daughters are going to speak forth the word of God. That prophecy has been fulfilled in my home. Because apart from Jesus Christ, my kids wouldn't have anything to do with the word of God, perhaps. Probably. Some instances, as we look back at my life, if I wouldn't have got saved, I may not have two of my three kids. It may not have even happened. In the last days, God not only saves me, he pours out his Holy Spirit on me and my home as my kids get saved, they begin to speak forth the word of God. Powerful. We just kind of take it for granted. Well, you know, son's going to do devotions tonight. Your kid is speaking forth the word of God in your home under the power of the Holy Spirit. Your kids, and even some of you have kids still to come, grandkids. Why? Because the Spirit of God is being poured out. Young men, it says, shall see visions. Old men shall dream dreams. Man, I've been dreaming a lot lately. (laughs) Give me a vision, Lord. Give me a vision. On my men servants, on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. And he goes on even more into the future at the culmination of the end of the age. The promised power was prophetic, given all believers. It's simply impossible 
to live the life of a believer without the power of the Holy Spirit. You can have a lot of good deeds. You can do a lot of good things. You can follow a lot of good manuals. You can purpose your life until the very end. But you, friend, need the leading and the guiding and the inspiration and the indwelling and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You cannot do it alone. You cannot live in your own strength. I know that because there's a, God has reserved this teaching time for us. This is how we grow. This is how we learn. Where the Holy Spirit takes his word and teaches it to us. And we sometimes mistake this. It's called didactic teaching where there is a giving forth of the word. There is a giving forth of teaching. Sometimes we misinterpret it as I've got to do, I've got to do, I've got to do. What, what we have to do is abide in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit will live his life through us. And obey in the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Some of you are just like list people. So you'll take a message like this and you'll list it out. There's 20 things I need to do. And before you get to the third thing, you failed. And then you're under the con- condemnation of, oh, I couldn't finish my list, man. I didn't even get past number three. Let me change your list for you. List item number one, abide in Jesus Christ. Item number two, don't need it. There is no item number two. Because that abiding presence in, in Jesus brings about that freshness of the Holy Spirit. You're listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. If you joined us late or would just like to hear this message again, turn to calvaryco.church, or you can listen through our app, too. Search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play. If you take a brief moment to write or call, that would make our day. Let us know the station you're listening to, and if today's study was a blessing to your life, we'd also love to pray for you. You can email us through the website at calvaryco.church. Pastor Ed, this month we picked out a book called Holy Sexuality and the Gospel by Christopher Yuan. Can you give us a brief rundown of what this book is all about? Larry, that's a great question. You know, in this sex-driven culture that we're in, and by the way, a very confused culture, we want to provide resources that will help you navigate through all of the confusion with a biblical, truthful narrative on hot topics. And this book, Holy Sexuality and the Gospel, the subtitle is Sex, Desire, and Relationships that are Shaped by God's Grand Story, was written by a man by the name of Christopher Yuan. He's a doctor who God Uh, brought to himself and saved him in a miraculous, wonderful way. We just had Christopher Yuan out here at Calvary, and what a blessing he is to the body of Christ. The book explores the concept of holy sexuality, chastity and singleness, faithfulness in marriage. It's practical, it's relevant, and it's equipping. Uh, It gives access to deep theology on the topic of sexuality, and we have nothing to be afraid of. We, we need to learn this information so we can disciple our kids and our grandkids, so we can have an answer to those that have a question and a reason for the hope that lies within us. And whether you want to share Christ with a loved one who identifies as gay, or you might even be wrestling with questions of identity yourself. Listen, the wrestling is not the sin. And I know in a confusing culture, a lot of people are confused. And if you're the one wrestling you're the one battling. Maybe you're listening to me right now. Yeah, you're a, you, you are living in this uh, lifestyle that the Bible declares sinful, but you are also curious of what is God's heart on the matter. There's something about your life right now that you recognize is missing. First of all, I want to just speak to you for a moment and remind you that God loves you, 
And because you're in this area of life right now, because it's difficult, doesn't mean that God hates you. It doesn't mean that Christians hate you. We don't. You know, before I got saved, I wrestled with a lot of things. This didn't happen to be one of them, but I wrestled with a lot of sinful behaviors. I was tempted in a lot of sinful ways. I I was uh, wholesale in things that God doesn't approve of, and yet God loved me then, and now much more He loves me in Christ. So if you have questions about identity, you have friends that are questioning their identity, or maybe just completely jumping in and, and completely full gone and fully committed to the homosexual lifestyle, God wants to use you in their lives to express His love and grace. So pick up this resource, Holy Sexuality in the Gospel, Sex, Desire, and Relationship Shaped by God's Grand Story by Christopher Yuan. You will be encouraged. That is for sure. We'll send you a copy of Holy Sexuality and the Gospel for a gift of $25 or more today to help us remain a biblical voice on this station. Call 877-30-GRACE or go online to calvaryco.church. Then be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor next time for more teaching from 1 Corinthians. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.